National media continues to promote negative headlines intentionally designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. We want you to hear from the source rather than a misleading soundbite. To keep this conversation going, support us on the lawmatters1030.org website. It's time we listened to and said thank you to those who spend their lives protecting us. Now let's start the show. Good morning. Welcome to Law Matters on KVOI 1030 The Voice. Sherry couldn't be here this morning, so she asked me to fill in. My name is Brian Watson, longtime listener, occasional guest, and it is my honor to be a guest host for the third time. Our engineer, John, will be keeping us on the air today and making us sound good this morning. Thank you for being here today, John. We do have two guests this morning, Darren Wright with the Oro Valley Police Department and Joyce Petrowski with the nonprofit Rose. But before we start with our first guest, I do have some announcements to share. Sherry asked me to uh, share these with you this morning. Uh, number one, we are looking for people to ride with Law Matters in El Tour de Tucson. If you are interested, please let us know. Also, we are looking for board members, people who are interested in helping to support our mission. If you have any interest, please email info at lawmatters1030.org. The Honorary Commander Program is taking applications now. If you are interested, send an email to Sherry. Her email is sherry at lawmatters1030.org, and she will send you an application. And our last announcement, we have a contest where you can nominate your favorite veteran for a day of recognition. Tell us about your favorite veteran in 150 words or less and send to info at lawmatters1030.org. The deadline is September 30th. Um, the selected veteran will be an honored guest, driven in the Veterans Day Parade, receive a gift, gift basket, and be a guest on the Law Matters radio show. How about that? So think about your favorite veteran. You got until the end of September. You can also find this on the website, um, which is lawmatters1030.org slash contest. So Sherry will be mentioning this again in upcoming shows. So once again, thank you, Sherry, for uh, letting me be the host. Sherry gets great guests, and today is no exception. Um, our first guest today is Darren Wright. Uh, he served four years in the Marines, th- followed by 31 years with the Washington State Patrol. He retired as a sergeant, and Darren just finished one year as the public information officer with the Oro Valley Police Department. Darren, thank you for your military and law enforcement service. Two of our favorite things here at Law Matters. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for driving down here this morning. I love interviewing people in law enforcement. Um, You had just gotten out of law enforcement. You're serving now as as a non-sworn position. But why did you go into law enforcement with the Washington State Patrol and served 31 years. What what motivated you? Well, uh, when I got out of the Marine Corps, um, the Marines being kind of a proud service, um, high level of professionalism and stuff, I was looking around for somebody that met that same expectation. And being a trooper up there in Washington, they were so well-respected, so such a professional agency that, uh, that I went looked for that. Uh, but uh, ultimately, it was uh, I, I knew I wanted to be either a firefighter or a police officer and they're the ones that hired me first, so that's where I stayed. And then didn't you tell me before that your dad was a firefighter? My dad was a firefighter, retired for, for uh, from firefighting in Boston uh, a long time ago. Uh, and then I also actually was a volunteer reserve firefighter for 23 years while I was up there in Washington. 
Was your dad pushing you to go into the fire service? Nope. Uh, he actually threatened me that if I became a firefighter, he would uh, do harm. So Really? <laughs> and he was happy with you going into police work? Uh yeah, he was. He was proud of me. He was. It was kind of a joke. That, you know, don't follow my footsteps. Do better. Type things. What he What he meant. Wow. So you've been a PIO with Oro Valley PD since August 2022. How has the transition been from going being a sworn officer to a non sworn PIO position? It was interesting. Um, it's. It was easier than I thought it was going to be. Um, I was. Uh, I'd done PIO work, obviously, up there. Uh, but uh, not putting the uniform on, not carrying all that uh, equipment around all the time, and uh, not having to deal with some of the people on those calls was was kind of a nice thing. But I miss being out on the road with the with the crew and with the officers and stuff, uh, working that stuff, being out there and getting in the middle of it. But uh, it it's been an interesting transition. But I think it's been really good. It was a good time for me. So what do you miss most? You just you just briefly said that you know the the camaraderie with your fellow officers, uh, the public, the adrenaline rush. What do you miss most? I miss helping people, actually. Yeah. I really miss being there for people that are involved in things. I mean, for for officers and, and when I was a trooper, um, sometimes this is the most absolute worst or most intense situation they've ever, somebody's ever dealt with in their life, the worst day of their life sometimes. And for you, it's just another routine call. And you need to remember that for you, it's routine, but for them, it's, it's earth-shattering. It's life-changing. And so... Missing helping people when they need it the most is is what I probably miss the most. Right, because they're it's their worst day of their life. Possibly, mm-hmm. it could even involve a fatality, or you know, bef- off air we're talking about uh, traffic accidents and the ramifications of that and and dealing with that. Um, but I like what you said though, helping people, and you you hear that a lot from law enforcement officers. It's not like you want to go arrest people and put people in jail. That's not your giving tickets is not why you went into the Washington State Patrol, you want you want to help people in their worst situation. Right. And and the tickets are a means to an end. The when you've seen people die because of speeding, because they weren't wearing their seatbelt, because they were driving drunk, that is the motivation that makes you want to write the tickets to prevent that from happening. To prevent from having to go tell a parent their kid isn't coming home that day. So those are the reasons we write tickets. Those are the reasons we arrest people for DUI and, and look for those DUI drunks and stuff. Um, so it's to prevent that from happening and prevent somebody from having that worst day of their life. Do the, you know, people talk about tickets and quotas or just giving warnings. When when you were with the patrol, how did you determine which one you would give on a certain traffic stop? Uh, it was situational. Um, it was it was one of those situations where if a warning was going to actually be effective, then then I'll give a warning. Um, if, you know, if somebody, if you pull somebody over and they're just, you know, I wasn't speeding and, and they deny everything and they're, they're just not, there's no warnings going to help there. They're going to go right back to speeding. So here's your ticket. A little contrition goes a long way. <laughs> yeah. It's like attitude. Yeah. I always tell my kids that, you know, be respectful, admit if you're speeding. Yeah. And, and you don't and have then, to, you don't have to overdo it. Just, just be human. Um, one of my favorites was, you know, I'd, I'd stop people for speed sometimes. And if it was a couple in the car, it doesn't matter which, which one's driving, you know, and, and it was, it was going to be one of those positive stops. Um, I'd, I'd talk to him and kind of get a feel for it, but then I'd say, okay, I'll tell you what, the fine that you would get for this speed that you were doing, cause it was a sliding scale would be this amount. So instead of paying the state that fee, what I want, the driver has to take the, the passenger out for dinner. <laughs> And for the free dinner, the passenger has to keep the driver driving appropriately for the rest of the trip. 
They both get a chuckle out of it. And instead of leaving and driving upset for the rest of the trip because he got a ticket, right? they drive away. They're going to chuckle about it. They're going to talk about it. But they're going to be focused on their driving for at least a little while and be safe. And so I felt it was an effective way of using a, another way of doing that. Did you? I've never heard of that strategy. Is that is, is that something, something you came up yeah, with? Just something I did. A Darrenism. We like that. <laughs> All right. So um, one of the things here in Arizona, Sheriff Lamb in Pinal County, um, hit one of his big pet peeves is the camping in the number one lane. So a car in the number one lane, the center lane, mm-hmm. um, holding up traffic behind them. And when you were in Washington State, did you all enforce the camping in the number one lane? Absolutely. Uh, and it was a pet peeve of mine also. And here's the thing. A lot of people don't think of it this way. When you're in that left lane, okay, and somebody says, well, I'm not hurting anybody. I'm doing the speed limit. Okay. Well, you are actually because here's what, what goes on. You park in the left lane and you drive slow and you get somebody that's got, that is um, antsy, wants to get there, wants to drive fast, wants to drive aggressive. Now you're creating a road rage situation and they're going to either make an unsafe lane change, they're going to do something unsafe, or they're going to cut you off and brake check you or do something and it's going to increase. So we've had road rage and we've gotten all the way up to shootings involved, people shooting at each other because of a left lane violation. So it it does warrant um, enforcement because it is a dangerous thing because not just that being in the left lane, but because of what it creates. Right. So what happens when you pulled someone over in a 65 zone and they were going 70 and, and, and they say, well, I, you know, I was going the speed limit and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't holding up traffic. I was going the speed limit. Do you want me to go faster? What would you tell that person? I explained, I explained to him just what I explained. I says, you know, move over and let that other person go and I'll catch them speeding. There you go. That's, you know, and you prevent yourself from getting into that road rate and you prevent them from driving aggressively around you and stuff. It's just, it's for your own safety. Just move over, let them drive aggressive and we'll catch them down the road. Has road rage gotten worse? I think so. I think, I think a lot of people have become impatient um, and, and it's just, uh, there's a, there's a me mentality that uh, it, it, it's all about me and so get out of my way and. And so when you don't get out of their way, they get upset and they get, and it, and it turns into a road rage. So yes, I mean, just in my life, road rage. I never even heard the term, and then it seemed very rare. But in the last five or ten years, it seems like an epidemic. Yeah. And people, you know, and then it ends not even with you know someone, you know, giving a one finger salute or something like that. But it ends, like you said, with the brake check, with the erratic driving, and culminates possibly even with the shooting. Yeah. Yeah, and and back back before it was that's exactly what it was one finger salute and then everybody you know they cuss at each other for a minute and then they they go about their ways so uh, but now it just it just keeps seems to escalate more often. So I like I like stories and we we met ahead of time just to go over some of your stories and you shared um, uh, one traffic stop with a guy that was on the most wanted list. You got to tell our <laughs> listeners that story. It was, it was pretty impressive. So. Uh, the one at the bar? Uh, we'll say that's second. Okay. The first one was the the uh, the guy who pulled over okay. and he was not going that fast. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, uh, so uh, up where I worked is a university, and along the university, it's two lanes each direction, but it's only a twenty mile an hour zone. Um, so I'm driving in, and it's I have to go past there from my house. So I drive it every day, and this car was coming by the other way, and it's a twenty zone, and this car came through at twenty seven miles an hour, and usually that wouldn't raise anything, but it just 
the hair on the back of my neck stood up and just something wasn't right. So I turned around on it and I activated my lights and was kind of slow to pull over and then it pulled down a side street and stopped. Female driver, uh, male passenger, and I walked up on the, on the driver's side and uh, I could immediately smell the odor of marijuana. And this was when marijuana was completely illegal, not even medical marijuana stuff. And uh, so I knew, I knew we were going to be going further than just a little speed stop. And I noticed the passenger was just sitting there looking straight ahead, would not look at me at all, eating his chicken nuggets. Just, just kept eating his chicken nuggets. And that kind of, okay, that's odd, odd behavior. And as I'm going through this beginning part of it, I have my earpiece in so they can't hear my radio. And the radio comes back with a code that this, the vehicle's wanted. Uh, there's a felony, some kind of felony situation with it. So obviously my backup's coming from, from other areas also. Um, so I, I drew my firearm, told both of them, put your hands up. And the female immediately put her hands up, responded well. Uh, the male just stopped eating his nuggets, kind of looked over at me, looked at the glove box, looked at me again, looked at the glove box again, and then paused. And I'm giving him commands to, to show me his hands and stuff. And, uh, and I'm kind of blading around to, in case I needed to do something. And then finally he sits his chicken nuggets down and puts his hands up. We take them both into custody. And it turns out the vehicle was wanted because uh, there had been a homicide over in Seattle. And uh, the vehicle was the escape, the vehicle that was wanted in the homicide. It turns out she was the driver. He was the shooter. Uh, he has already been convicted, so I can say that. Um, and the firearm that was used in the homicide was in that glove box. So he, he was checking you out, sizing you up, whether you had a good... Um if you were paying attention, if you were ready to return no. fire. He was doing the mental math whether he can do it or not. And, yeah. and, and you could have been a statistic, but your training, you're, you, were, you were mentally prepared. You'd visualize this ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Wow. I mean, that's a, so that's, the, that's just crazy about law enforcement. One second you're giving someone a lecture about a ticket, and the next minute you could be taking mm-hmm. actions that save your life. So yeah. the other story you shared with me was the, the bar chase. Tell me that story. <laughs> Tell our, our listeners that story. So, uh, so I'm making a traffic stop, uh, speeding stop, just standard speeding on the freeway. Um, and, and Darren, make sure you're oh, staying right in front of the, okay. the mic. We, we don't want to lose this. We sure. don't want to miss this story. <laughs> so uh, I was trying, trying to stop a vehicle for speeding uh, on the interstate, and it wasn't, wasn't stopping, took off on me, and took the next exit into this very, very small town, not even incorporated, um, basically has a school, a post office, and a bar, and a little store. Uh, that's about it for the whole town. Um, so everybody knows everybody in that town. And, uh, well, the car stops at the um, post office, and the suspect flees on foot um, before I can get there, and I, I lost him. So we're doing a little search around the area, and one of the residents comes out and says, uh, are you looking for somebody? <laughs> I was like, yes, we are. He's in the bar. <laughs> Great. So we, I went around to the back, and the my partner went around to the front. And uh, so I went to the back door, and sure enough, he's sitting at the end of the bar. I recognized him because I knew who he was. I knew, so I, I had seen him. And uh, he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he bolted. He took off at a dead run down this a long kind of thin bar. And uh, he went to blast through the front door, and turns out it's a very like a two inch thick solid oak door that only opens inward. <laughs> so he hit that at full speed and kind of knocked himself out for a second. And so we uh, we got on top of him and got him into custody. And 
turns out he was also on one of uh, Washington's most wanted. Oh my gosh! Yeah, those and you, those are what make the day fun. And those yeah. stories are the ones you tell for the rest of your career. When you see your buddy, hey, do you remember that time at that bar <laughs> in that little town? And yeah. Stuff? So well, especially since my uh, we we ended up fighting with the guy for a little while, and the, my partner, when I was reaching around, he tased him under my arm from underneath. <laughs> he shot shot the taser under my arm. I was not happy about him with that day, but we laugh about it now. Now you can. Well, that's <laughs> and that's what builds those uh, those 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 bonds. So, so Darren, you are a dog handler now. I am. Tell me about Ari. Ari is um, Oro Valley PD. Uh, the leadership has uh, brought in a new concept, or which is growing in a lot of agencies for a, a wellness dog uh, for the department specifically. Um, Ari is a two and a half year old yellow lab that we got out of Washington. Uh, she failed out of drug school. Up there, she was in a drug dog school where she was more interested in seeing people than searching for drugs. So we, uh, so we acquired her, and she's been in training down at Rough House um, up in Oro Valley. Um, they did the initial training, and we'll be going through some therapy certification stuff. But her job is to um, number one, make the employees of Oro Valley PD feel better. Um, studies have shown petting a dog for five minutes reduces stress, increases oxytocin, uh, and just makes people feel better. So she goes around throughout the day and makes people feel better. And she's also available when we have like a critical incident, um, whether the officers involved in a critical incident, uh, our dispatchers, um, they get stuck in that dispatch center and they don't get any closure sometimes from some of these serious calls. They, they listen to somebody on the ro- on the phone um, calling in for something uh, and it, it takes a toll on them too. So, so we're there for them on that also, but uh, eventually she'll be able to be used for uh, if we have victims of crimes, uh, serious crimes, if they need to be interviewed. Having petting a dog while they're being interviewed make them feel better, make them make them feel uh, get through that very difficult situation better. So, and Ari, let you take Ari home. Uh, she, yep, she belongs to the department, but right. I'm her handler, so she lives with me. She goes to work with me every day, so I get uh, I get a buddy that goes to work and gets to stay with me. Wow, it's like having a partner again. It is. It's uh, now how many people with OVPD were vying to be the handler? Um, initially, several. Really, uh, there were quite a few, but um, it, it came down to uh, the the requirements for how what the yard was and and stuff like that uh, reduced it down. So I was I was chosen for that. Well, congratulations! Thank you. I'm very happy. And, about l- it. and the last time I checked, when I saw that post on Facebook, there were over 800 likes. So I mean, talk about the goodwill. I mean, who doesn't like a dog? Yes. And um, you know, that's that's so cool. Now um, let's talk Oral Valley. You know, we've been talking kind of big picture stuff. What are what are the biggest challenges? Oro Valley Police is facing? Um, right now, um, I, I think a uh, couple of things that are that are on the rise right now is, um, you know, online fraud, uh, elderly fraud and stuff, which, you know, you, you're very well aware of. Um, and then retail theft. Um, organized retail theft is is becoming a problem again, and we're trying to work on, on reducing that and, and trying to just, you know, businesses can't afford to, to keep losing that. So uh, we're trying to put a dent into that is it only at the big stores like walmart and kohl's and you know the grocery stores or is it at small places as well um i think i think your bigger stores are getting hit more often uh they have more selection to to steal from and they can blend in better um the smaller stores you know when you walk in the door you they know you've walked in the door right so right right um the bigger stores they can kind of blend in with the with the mass crowd and kind of do it get away with they think they can get away with it better so I was talking with a, a friend who's a Oro Valley officer, and he said, you know, 
mention what you said, the retail theft, and he had a re- he had recently arrested somebody, and the person asked for diversion, which <laughs> they might get from other departments, where basically, okay, slap on the wrist, don't do it again for a certain amount of time, and it'll go away. And um, the Oro Valley officer said, no, we, we don't do that. We're going to charge you. And is the word on the street getting out that Oro Valley will – you know, take the report. They will file the charges. They will follow through. Uh, we hope so. Um, we have we have a process with the courts right now that we can uh, deal with situations uh, quicker. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna arrest you and we're gonna charge you. Um, don't come to our balance deal because you know part of uh, part of Chief Riley's policy is uh, call a cop, get a cop. If you call nine one one, you're gonna get a cop. We respond to every call that comes in, and um, we're gonna do we're gonna deal with it. Um, our call volume is not as high as some other agencies, fortunately, and we're, we're very fortunate with that. So we're able to to respond um, a little quicker than than some other agencies, just because it, not, not anything against other agencies by any right. means. They're they're dealing with a lot of stuff, um, but uh, we're able to do that, and we're going to make sure we uh, we try to support our people that way. And what about fentanyl? What are you guys seeing in Oro Valley with fentanyl? It, it's a it's a crisis everywhere. Uh, it's a national crisis. Um, it's and it doesn't just affect any specific class or group of people. Um, it's it's a it's affecting everybody, um, and it is it's a crisis that uh, we need to try to figure out a way to handle it. And you know, bigger minds than me have have tried to figure out a way to f- to solve that problem, and and they're not able to do that. But uh, uh, we we do see the problem there. Uh, it's not as huge as again some places. We're very fortunate, but uh, but we do see it, and it it does. It does drive some of these other crimes, like these uh, some of these retail thefts. You know, usually there's some kind of connection to that. Um, some of our um, burglaries and garage thefts and the car car prowls and stuff. Um, they're trying to obtain things, steal stuff, so they can support their habits. Um, all departments are down in terms of officers. You know, TPD has been hiring like crazy. Departments everywhere are trying to. I use the word steal, or you know, they're they're trying to bribe someone from a one one agency, and they'll offer a trans, you know, a fee, you know, a lateral fee. But all you're doing is just taking fish and putting them in different fish tanks. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not getting more fish into the aquarium. How do we get more young people interested in law enforcement in the climate we've been dealing with the last few years? I'm not sure. I think there's been a shift. There's not as much of a desire to serve uh, in the newer generations. Um, you know, I'm I'm a lot older. I came from generation. <clears throat> I was raised. My dad was a firefighter. My my life was about serving others, helping others. Um, so I think that's part of it. But I, I think we need to. Um, our officers need to be treated better. They need to be uh, bring back the respect for law enforcement. That it is a respectable profession. We keep we keep. Um, just cutting down our officers with with stuff. Yeah, they're human. There's going to be mistakes made, but but the the percentages of mistakes compared to how many interactions we have nationally on a on a national basis, millions of contacts a day, and we have one or two uh, incidents, inappropriate incidents a week. Uh, that was a pretty good. That's a pretty good record overall. Yeah. Um, but we need to be showing that it is an honorable profession. It is a good life. Uh, you're not going to get rich, but you're going to help others and it's rewarding. Um, so that's, we, if we can get through to that and change the culture of, of how people see police officers uh, is, is going to be part of it. 
So to that end, to that end, how how can the public help? Someone is like, I'm I'm pro law enforcement. I do respect you, but how can just an ordinary citizen s- support what you're just talking about right there? Um, you know, we people want ask, what can we can we bring something to the department? Can we bring food? Can we bring this? Can we give gifts? Can we buy your dinner at a restaurant? Those are all great. Those are really nice gestures, but it's the thank you. The the thought behind those and just a simple thank you uh, goes a huge way to an officer. Um, it, it's not even, – even if you do buy their dinner, they don't care about the fact that you actually bought the dinner. The thought you had behind that that gesture is what goes away. So so don't don't worry about as much about bringing things to the department and, and donating stuff as it is just that simple thank you when you see an officer. Just show them you appreciate them because they do deserve to be appreciated. All right. Um, so I'll give you the last last word. Any messages from Oro Valley Police that you want to share to the public? You know, anything about uh, any last things? A little catch-all here. Uh, well, we just, you know, our, our desire is to make our community safe. We're, uh, Oro Valley is the second safest community in the state of Arizona. We're looking to be back at number one. Uh, <laughs> and, and we're going to continue to strive for that. Uh, we care about our community and we care about uh, the people that are, that are both visit, play, and work there and live there. So uh, we'll continue to do our best to uh, do that. And we appreciate uh, the support of our leadership. Uh, Chief Riley, who's been a guest on this show several times, uh, does a great job of supporting our officers and our employees uh, as shown by bringing in the wellness dog and stuff like that. So Beautiful. Well, Darren, thanks for driving down here today. Thank you for your military and your uh, police service. And uh, obviously, Sherry's going to have to have you on again in the future. So sure. thank you I'd very much. I'd love to be back. Thanks, Brian. Matters Live Show works hard at keeping you informed on current issues from all law enforcement agencies, including any changes in both the tax and mortgage loan rules. I host the show as a volunteer. My real job is working for a mortgage broker with over 20 resources in residential, commercial, jumbo, as well as a reverse mortgage company whose new rule is offering tax-free money to those 55 and older, qualifying for up to $4 million. If you want to learn more, call me after the show at 520-310-9900. Law Matters wants you to know all phone and email scams follow the same basic pattern. A potential victim is contacted, they are given a compelling reason to act, and then they are told to pay money. In every scheme, there is an urgency factor. These scammers are professionals. They are using scripts that work. It is okay to hang up or tell a lie if you have to. Better yet, don't answer the phone if you don't recognize the number. If in doubt, reach out to a friend or a family member. 911, what are you reporting? Um, I'd like to report a break-in into my car. I came out this morning and my laptop bag is gone and some of my books are gone. Are any of the windows broken or anything like that? Nothing's broken. Did you leave your vehicle unlocked or did you lock it before you went inside? I thought I locked it, but I I don't think I did. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, get an officer out to you as soon as I can. This doesn't have to be you. Remember to lock it or lose it. This has been a message from the Marana Police Department. Law Matters Live Show works hard at keeping you informed on current issues from all law enforcement agencies, including any changes in both the tax and mortgage loan rules. I host the show as a volunteer. 
My real job is working for a mortgage broker with over 20 resources in residential, commercial, jumbo, as well as a reverse mortgage company whose new rule is offering tax-free money to those 55 and older, qualifying for up to $4 million. If you want to learn more, call me after the show at 520-310-9900. Welcome back to Law Matters on KBY 1030 The Voice. This is Brian Watson filling in for our host, Sherry. Um, I hope you enjoyed the first half hour with uh, Darren Wright with the Oro Valley Police Department. Um, thanks again, Darren, for coming in. That was great. Um, I, I did go over some announcements earlier the show. I do want to highlight one again because this one is my favorite. It's the nominate your favorite veteran for a day of recognition. And basically, we're asking you to find a favorite veteran of yours, identify that person, and 150 words or less, that's an easy write. Send it into info at lawmatters1030.org. This is the cool part. The selected veteran will be an honored guest driven in the Veterans Day Parade, receive a gift, gift basket, and be a guest on the Law Matters radio show. How, you know, Can't argue with that. All the information is on our website, lawmatters1030.org slash contests. So my next guest is Joyce Petrowski. And um, just to let everyone know, I actually am an... I actually work for 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 Joyce, and she'll explain. Um, but want to just put that out there, and I'm I'm very proud to work for Joyce, and we'll it'll it'll come out how maybe I got connected with uh, her nonprofit. But Joyce Petrowski, tell us what is Rose. All right. Well, thank you, Brian, for having me this morning. Um, so Rose, uh, it stands. It's an acronym. Stands for Resources Outreach to Safeguard the Elderly, and it's a Arizona nonprofit, a five hundred one c three nonprofit with a mission to prevent the financial exploitation and defrauding of the older adults through advocacy and education. So basically what we do is we, anywhere we can find the older adult population, we make them more aware and educated on the frauds and scams that are out there affecting them. And then we give them resources and tips and tools that they can take home with them and continue to read and make a decision if they want to implement any of those. And then how long have you been in existence? How long is the nonprofit? Well, actually just on the 23rd, which... If I have my days correct, I think that was Wednesday. It was our two-year anniversary. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So tell everyone out there, Law Matters listeners, why you were compelled to start Rose. Well, I had just left um, a nonprofit that I had co-founded back in 2014. This was in the spring of 21 and took some time off and I started uh, hearing a lot more about older adults um, falling victim to these scams and how it just devastates them, not only financially, but emotionally, psychologically. And it reminded me of a situation that I had had with a loved one, that they had fallen victim. And I saw how difficult it was to convince my loved one that this person was, even though he was real, he wasn't who he said he was and and all of that, and then saw the aftermath from it. And so I s- did a lot of research that summer and um, realized, realized that, you know what, we need to do something about, let's look at it more from a prevention side. If we could help these older adults understand more and more aware of what's going on, then they can better protect themselves given the right tools. 
what is do you think is the most prevalent threat to seniors of all the different scams out there? And we're going to address some of the specific mm-hmm. scams. What do you think is just the most prevalent threat to seniors? Right now, I think the artificial intelligence is really the the most prevalent in the way the scammers are using it um, to their advantage. And it comes into play in a variety of different scams. And then, so let's let's get a perspective of how much money we're talking about. What What's the estimated dollar amounts for losses in these frauds to seniors in Arizona? So the last data that we have is for the year 2022. And it was uh, reported that Arizona older adults lost over $82 million in one year, and that's just the 60-year-old-plus population. And that comes directly from the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center, where when you file a report on ic3.gov that you've been a victim, um, that's where they collect all that data and then come out with this report. So we know that number's higher. Why exactly. Do, why do we know that number is higher? Because there's a lot of people that don't report. And it could be that they lost $10. It could be that they lost 10000 a 100000 Some of them just don't want to report it. And so you really, I mean, maybe multiply it by four. Yeah. And you're getting a lot closer, you know, or if you, you do that. Or you could have people that were defrauded and they don't even know it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why when I was in federal law enforcement, we, we knew that number was always was much smaller. So I was trying to, you know, the reason why I thought you'd be a great guest, even though this is a law enforcement show and a military type show, mm-hmm. you know, the connection to law enforcement, how does the work done by Rose help law enforcement in your mind? Well, I, I believe law enforcement gets a lot of calls from a lot of people that have been victimized. And with all of the other crimes and all of the other duties that law enforcement has, um, especially in the last couple of years with what you had just mentioned in the, in the previous half hour, not having a lot of uh, law enforcement personnel, that there just isn't enough personnel to, to investigate every single scam or fraud complaint that comes in. So with what we're doing on the prevention side of it, working with these older adults and helping them be able to protect themselves and their hard-earned assets, then there will be less um, crimes that get reported to law enforcement. Well, thank you. Or less crimes that happen that then get reported to law enforcement. I'm 100% behind that. I totally (laughs) agree. Romance scam. Yes. Explain what a romance scam is and how it works. So a romance scam starts off with uh, the scammer is going to initiate contact, but he is specifically going to look for, let's say, lowest hanging fruit. So he is going to find through social media, through dating sites, through online games, striking up a conversation. Sometimes they look at obituaries and see who the surviving spouse is. 
on the social media. They can see in your profile that you're a widow, a widow, or you're divorced, you're single, you know, whatever. And then they find you and they start striking up a conversation because they're betting that you're lonely or that you're gr- going through the grieving process. And so they're going to say exactly what they need you to, what you need to hear in order for them to build that absolute trust. And then that, you know, they take the conversations offline. They start, you start calling and talking to them multiple times during the day. And then, then when they know that they've got your absolute trust is when they start asking for money and they have a multitude of reasons as to why they need the money. And usually it's all, they're going to tell you they need this, they need that, they need this in order for them to get back to be with you because they right. want to be with you. They want to be your partner for the rest of you know, your life and they're in love with you and they're just going to keep, you know, keep asking for money. And actually the latest uh, twist that we've heard on this is when the scammer realizes that there's just not any more money that they can get, they are instructing the victim and walking them through how to take a cash advance out on credit cards and then now they have the money that they can get it's it's unbelievable so that's a new technique so when you start out when they start the conversation it would mostly be through online messaging and text messages it could be text messages Mm -hmm. but a lot of times you know like social media and i'm really only familiar with like Facebook's um, messenger, but I'm sure a lot of the other social media platforms have some sort of messaging apps or a way to talk to you on the social media. Um, And so that's where they start it, but they're going to very quickly want to take it offline and want to talk via phone call or via maybe a, a chat uh, message app or something like that. So, right. So they're in the scammers, the important thing to remember is they're following a script. Exactly. And they're professionals. Exactly. And they've used this on multiple people, and they're not just talking to one person at no. a time. No. Because that may not be fruitful. Right. You know, it's kind of like fishing. You want to get as many lines in the water as possible. Exactly. But I've heard that same thing where they realize someone doesn't have any money, but that cash advance thing is brutal. So what, adva- what advice do you have to seniors or to their children about cash advances and credit cards and things like that? Well, the first thing I would say is when it comes to you really, when you're going to be making purchases, you really should use your credit card and not your debit card because you uh, have a lot more recourse to be able to get those charges reversed with a credit card company. Um, Second, I would actually find out with the credit card company if cash advances are allowed because you can block those on most if not all credit cards and not allow them or maybe put a certain limit that you're allowed to have um you know because really if you're going to take a cash advance on a credit card the interest rates are just outrageous versus going to a bank and getting a line of credit and stuff like that so you're paying like 20 to 25 percent Probably minimum. Minimum. Right. So these are conversations you need to have with your grandparents right. or with right. your parents to say, you know, hey, mom, hey, dad, there's some really creative criminals out there. Exactly. And I don't want you to be fooled. And if you are fooled, I don't want them to take 
all cash of your advan- money. all your money. Yeah. So th- that's why it's so important to have those conversations ahead of time. Absolutely. The um, tell us uh, what the grandparent scam is. So the grandparent scam is um, you would normally get a phone call. That would be the first contact, and it would be a scammer on the other end. But they're going to make you believe that it's your grandchild, and your grandchild is in trouble. And your grandchild needs money right away. Don't tell mom and dad. Don't tell anybody I'm going to get in trouble. And and there's a variety of reasons. You know, they could have been in an accident and it was their fault. Um, they might they could say they're in jail. They just have a lot of different reasons. And when I had mentioned AI before, now scammers are using that artificial intelligence because all they need is a few seconds of a recording of that actual grandchild's voice and they can make that recording say whatever they want it to say so now where i've had some people say well i knew it was a scam because it didn't even sound like my grandchild now that voice could very well sound like your grandchild wow so how do we prevent you know our grandparents or our parents from falling for this particular scheme you well when you're talking to them the um make sure they they know that if they do get a phone call like this or get contacted in a text or you know because scammers are always changing up their techniques so if they get contacted with this type of information is to hang up and then call that grandchild from a verified phone number that you have for that grandchild. If you can't get a hold of that grandchild, call one of their siblings, call their parents, and verify what is going on with them before you send any money, because when that money is gone, it's gone. gone. You are not going to get it back. If you just tuned in, you are listening to to Law Matters on KVOI, The Voice, in Tucson, Arizona. Our guest is Joyce Petrowski from the nonprofit Rose. I'm Brian Watson filling in for Sherry this morning. Um, Joyce, how can Law Matters listeners get more information from Rose? Well, the best place to do that is on our website, and that's roseadvocacy.org. And on the homepage, at the very top, we have the live links to one's our Facebook page, one's our LinkedIn page. We do uh, post quite frequently on there with a lot of information about different scams. If you scroll down on that homepage, you're going to get to the blue box where you can sign up for our emailed newsletter that we send out once a month. If you don't like getting things in email, we do have one that we will send you in the mail. Go to the Contact Us page, put your information in there, and we will add you to that list, and you will get that one in the mail once a month how are criminals using obituaries to scam people claiming to be from funeral homes how does that scam work so that one if if you just look at what's in an obituary it has a lot of information about the family the surviving spouse the town they live in you know and it's really meant to give information so if people want to send condolences send flowers if they want to you know travel to come to the uh the funeral and the services and stuff like that so scammers are taking that information and they are contacting the surviving family members of that person that's died and pretending to be an employee of the funeral home and sometimes they even have the employees' names that work at the funeral home. 
and wow. they're going to have a variety of reasons, but they want you to pay money right away or the services are not going to happen. There's this added service that you have to have. You know, you paid this much, but we made a mistake. It's actually this much. And so this is, um, I put something out recently on this. You know, you, just when you think scammers can't get any lower. No, yes. They're, they've reached a new low. Right. Someone said there's a special place in hell. Yes. For someone who rips off a grieving family member. Right. So we've mentioned three scams this morning. We talked about the romance scam, grandparent scam, funeral homes. Um, what do all these scams seem to have in common? So there's really three things with every scam. So the first one is the contact. And there's many diff- different methods of contact. Online phones, emails, text messages, a lot of a lot of that. Once they have the contact and they and you've talked to them, then they or they're going to have a compelling reason. They're going to give you a compelling reason that they want you to act on. And that compelling reason is going to be you're going to be in some sort of an emotional state. Every scam has an emotional component to it, which is why they don't want you talking to anybody else. That other person's going to be in a rational state and help you understand that that's a scam. And then the final part is the payment. And there's always an urgent reason they need the payment right now. They can't wait. There's a sense of urgency. Again, that urgency is because if you're going to wait for a day or two, you're going to get out of that emotional state. You're going to realize it's a scam. You're going to talk to other people that are going to help you realize it. So they're always going to be like, I, I need it right now. You have to send it. Let's do a wire transfer. Let's get gift cards. There's a, there's a crypto ATM. Take your money and put it in this crypto ATM. So what if what should someone do if they have been a victim of a scam? Who do they contact? What do, what do you recommend? Well, you can contact your local police or the um, attorney general's office or the district attorney's office. But there's a place online if you're comfortable going online or have somebody help you. It's the website is i c is in cat three the number three dot gov and that's the FBI's Internet Crime Complaint Center and they'll. You'll go through um, multiple pages and multiple questions because they want to know a lot of details. And that's your way of reporting the scam. And what the the FBI does is they take that information and it does get disseminated to the correct law enforcement agencies. But you can also call your own local police department to make that claim as well. There's one thing I wanted to add to this. Something happened to someone I know recently and it dealt with gift cards. They had gone and bought five Apple gift cards, each $500, and took a picture of the gift cards and sent them to the number that the scammer gave them. As soon as they hit the send button, it dawned on them that this was a scam. And so what they did is they called Apple right away and gave them those gift card numbers. And Apple was able to claw back four out of five of those gift cards. Really? So the person lost 500 and not 2,500. Now, I can't say that that's going to happen in every case. But it, if it is with gift cards and you realize it right away, call the, that company that the gift card was from give them that information and just maybe they can claw that gift card back and get you some of your money back. There's a possibility. Well, I mean, the number one rule is if you're paying money with gift cards, it's a scam. Right. 
And I've even noticed going into Walmart and Home Depot and Target, they have signage. Yes, that, yes. Because it, it, it's a huge problem. It is. Um, but that's the thing. You know, that's those are the conversations we have to have with mom and dad. Right. And say, you know, if someone's asking for money with gift cards, it's it's a scam. You know, if there's ever an issue, call me first. Right. You know, um, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Um, so fighting crime... It's tough because it's hard to prove a negative. How do you measure success for your nonprofit? How do we know that this is making a difference? So in the short term, we measure success by when we're out speaking to people, we uh, have a survey that we ask them to fill out. And based on the answers on that survey, they, that gives us information if they understand what's going on. We have had some people when we have gone back a second time to the same location to present, they have told us that we knew that this person was involved in a romance scam, let's say. So we made sure that they were in the presentation because we've been trying to talk to them and they're not believing us. And then they tell us after the presentation, they realized it and they put a stop to it. So getting that information from people as well, because our whole program is not a one and done program because everybody, no matter your age, you forget things because life gets in the way. So ours is a reoccurring. We like to come every six months because there's always new things, unfortunately, with scams. But then it also is a reinforcement. Absolutely. And that's why I would definitely recommend people check out the website, roseadvocacy.org. Tell us about the videos that are on there. Oh, there's a ton of videos. Well, I've actually been a little lax in in doing the videos videos over the last couple months, and I need to get back into those. Um, But so I've actually got videos with Brian (laughs) when his time uh, at the IRS, and we talk about a lot of different, you know, tax identity theft and, you know, false returns and, you know, a lot of different things. Um, But I also do uh, videos with uh, Social Security agent, public information officer. We talk about different crimes related to social security and also different things you can do to help protect yourself when it comes to your social security. And then um, there's a gentleman that is, and, and Brian would probably be able to say his title better than I could, um, with the U.S. Postal Service. Mm-hmm. He, Dan, Dan Grossenbach, he's a postal inspector. Yes. He's a friend of mine, great guy. And yes. I've, I've watched the video where you interviewed Dan right. about the postal scams. Right. And then he also a, uh, works with the FBI task force down here, and so he gets a lot of information from investigating other crimes that have gone on. Um, and then we there's a psychologist up in the Northwest that has written a book. She did her whole thesis on uh, scams against the older adults. And so I talked to her about the different psychologies behind them. And really, you know, and there's a few victims or victims' family members. And we like to interview those people as well because every, there might be a 10 people that unfortunately fall victim to a romance scam, but everybody's story and everybody's journey through that is different. Right. And then you also, um, uh, on advisory board and board of directors have for Rose have a variety of people with varied backgrounds. Can you talk about yeah. s- some of the talent that you've, um, convinced to help out? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So, um, when I first put it out there a couple years ago that I was starting Rose and what it was about, I had a handful of people that reached out to me and said, hey, I want to help you. 
I want to be on your board, you know. And so um, we've got some people that work at major corporations that are in the cybersecurity unit in those organizations. Um, I've got a gentleman. He's retired now. Uh, he's on the advisory committee, but he spent a lot of years of his life um, working for companies that helped prevent the fraud within within companies, having different uh, products that companies could use. And so he really knows a lot about the fraud. And he's he really has, in the beginning, taught me a lot about what's going on out there and what to look for. And, and then there's um, a gentleman on the advisory committee that uh, used to do this for a living. He used to scam people right. for a living. And, uh, you know, it was interesting. I reached out to him a couple years ago and asked him, you know, about different things. And he told me his story. And I said, all right, I'm going to ask you this right, right. You know, when you got out of prison, the easiest thing for you to do was to go back to what you knew. Right. He goes, you're exactly right. That would have been the easiest thing to do. He goes, but I'm extremely blessed in my life right now. And he goes, I'm not going to do a darn thing to screw it up. And he really enjoys helping people. So it's a redemption story. Yeah. Well, it's like, catch me if you can. The guy behind sort that. Sort of like that. You know, yep. um, start working for the FBI. Right. So. And, and this gentleman does some consulting with the FBI as well. So we have about three minutes okay. left. So a couple, a few more questions sure. and then we'll close out. You sit, sit down with someone who has uh, older parents, seniors. What, what you, you have... What would you tell them? What's the best advice you have to someone who's got parents in like who are in their 80s or 90s? It's to just open the lines of communication. Just take this information and you can get a lot of it on our website um, and just sit down and have conversations. Sign up for the newsletter to continue to get information and keep the lines of communication open. And if you find out that they might be talking to somebody they shouldn't, or maybe they have sent some money, just, I know the first thing you're going to want to do is get angry. Um, Cause I've been in that situation, but the, the best thing you can do is just be understanding and try to get as much information as you can and try to help them understand why it was a scam. The conversation is is so much in preventative preventative should we be on our parents bank accounts that's as kids that's an interesting question and that's really ultimately between the parent and and you as their child i believe there is a way you can be on the bank account but not have access to transfer money or to write checks or to take money out but you can be on it to just be notified as a trusted person if the bank feels that maybe they're getting money, that they're being scammed, that they could call you to talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, And uh, real quickly, what about cell phones? What advice for um, older people and cell phones? Um, There's a thing called Silence Unknown Callers, and it's on our website. It talks you through whether you have an iPhone or a... um, um, Android phone, turn it on. You will all, your phone will only ring if it's calling from a number that you have in your contacts. Well, Joyce, thanks for coming in this morning. And um, you can tell by her passion was one of the reasons that I wanted to work with Rose. I, I'm a community outreach specialist for Rose, and they're doing great work. Um, I'm very proud to work for them. Go to their website, roseadvocacy.org. Um, is the website. Sign up for the mailing list by clicking that blue button. And also Rose is um, 
um, on Facebook as well. I also want to thank Darren Wright, our guest from the Oro Valley Police Department. Uh, Darren did a great job. Um, Sherry will be back next week. Um, thank you, Sherry, for allowing me to host. Till next week, shop local, stay safe.